0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Back in Better Than Ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guest on the Pens All Performance Line. One question from either side of this afternoon's very rare Wednesday NFL game. Coming up in just a minute, we've only had one Wednesday NFL game played in the Super Bowl era. We will get our second today. That one was Tony Romo over Eli Manning once upon a time. This one will be Ben Roethlisberger against Robert Griffin III, we hope, because it is not yet a certainty that this game will be played. Waiting on final word on coronavirus testing to make sure the Ravens, and the Steelers for that matter, I suppose, are good to go. Hopefully we'll get something on that. Jamison Hensley and Brooke Pryor cover those two teams for us. They'll join us both in just a moment here. And then I will also tell you that coming up, we will give you the one thing that the Big Ten Conference, my favorite conference, absolutely needs to do. Those and more on the way. But I begin with a huge word of thanks for you, for you who listens to this show, for you who have supported me for all these years. So yesterday was our privilege to kick off V-Week at ESPN. That was our job yesterday on ESPN Radio. We got to kick it off and start trying to raise as much money and awareness for the V Foundation as we could during this extremely challenging time. We knew there would never be a more challenging time to be trying to raise money for cancer research or for anything else, frankly, than during a pandemic. It's understandable. We're all living this together. And so we set a goal. We at ESPN set a goal for what we might raise yesterday. And I'm delighted to tell you that as my show was on the air, I got a note from the woman who's running all this for us saying We've doubled the goal because we are going to so blast through it. We've doubled what our goal is. And by the end of the day yesterday, we had exceeded that. So that's all you. That is all you. That is all you just wanting to be a part of this with us and to understand the sincerity of this mission and that there are days maybe you love me and there are days maybe you hate me. But in this fight, we can be together because we should all hate cancer together and equally. It'll affect my life for the rest of my life and yours. It already has. It never stops unless we can put a stop to it. And together, we're going to. I firmly believe we will see that in my lifetime. And it is because of the V Foundation and others like us. So I couldn't be more proud of that. And I couldn't be more appreciative. And I wanted to start by saying that because it's more important than anything else that we will say or do today. And I will mention again, as V Week continues, and anytime you're interested in trying to be a part of this fight, v.org slash donate donate donations of any size are extremely appreciated okay that's where it begins meanwhile you guys let me know do we have the guys ready to go here let's do it all right Bubba give me a little music and we're going to do one question here for either side of today's game in Pittsburgh the Ravens and the Steelers the stunningly rare 3 40 p.m eastern time kickoff in Pittsburgh today and I got one question for those who cover the teams. I have only one question Uh, The question for Jamison Hensley, who covers the Ravens for us on the Shell penswell Performance line, is an easy one. Jamison, where do we stand relative to testing and confirming that this game today is on?
0: Uh, Well, Greeny, I think we store in a waiting mode. They had their final testing this morning. Final rosters will be made. uh, Final roster moves will be made by twelve thirty today. That's when the Ravens will likely just. be able to get to a 48-man game day roster. They will have to promote about seven or eight practice squad players today. But about that point, we should get a final determination on whether this game, which has been postponed three times, will actually get played.
1: Okay, so that's about a half hour from now. So please call me back and let me know where that goes. And again, will we find out at that point or do we already know? Jameson, is he still there if if the running backs made the trip and are going to play? I I had seen your tweets this morning. We read them on Get Up. The two running backs, Dobbins and Ingram, who are eligible to come off the COVID list, do we know yet if they're going to play?
0: I have been told that it's most likely they will not. uh, They could not, uh, under league rules, go up with the team last night because Tuesday was their final day of their 10-day quarantine, so they couldn't travel at all. I heard that they were thinking about making the trip up. But, I mean, let's be real. They have not practiced at all since November 22nd. So Mm. they don't even know what condition they are. They haven't been in the walkthroughs the past two days. So I think the expectation all along was they were never going to suit up.
1: So the Ravens go into this game... Assuming that it is played, and I think the the likelihood is that it will be at an extraordinary disadvantage. Jameson, thank you. We'll keep you close by. Meanwhile, I only have one question. I have one question for Brooke Pryor, who covers the Steelers for us on the shell Penzo performance line. Brooke, what what can we say of the Steelers' situation? They have been um, unapologetically frustrated with the consistent delays here. Where are they right now mentally in Pittsburgh as they get set, hopefully, to take the field in about three and a half hours?
2: Yeah, I think they are ready to play. I mean, that just feels like a massive understatement giving everything that's been going on. But this is a team that, yeah, they were frustrated this time a week ago when the game got postponed. I think they then passed into a level of acceptance by Sunday that, hey, we're going to just play the game uh, when when it's scheduled to be played, which at that point was Monday. But then, it, or Tuesday, and then it gets postponed again. And I think then they're just, you know, they're just. I, I think Bud Dupree's uh, crying, laughing emojis kind of say it all. Terrell Edmonds tweeted out the Obama shrug GIF. I mean, this team is going to play the game when they are told to be there. They've already gone through, you know, their normal forty-eight hour walkthrough, and then they went through it again when it was postponed for that third time. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and I think that that they are very focused on this team, even if it is. RG3 and Gus Edwards anchoring the offense because as Cam Hayward said on Sunday, RG3 is the last quarterback to beat them, hmm. period. Hmm. He was the quarterback in the Week 18 game last year, and he does own the distinction of being the last quarterback to beat the Steelers, so I don't think focus and preparedness is going to be an issue for this team in Pittsburgh. Is there any reason to think they won't play great today? I don't think so. I think that this team... I mean, they they feed on this kind of motivation, and they're also just remarkably consistent with Mike Tomlin as a head coach. I mean, this is the year that his messaging really rings true, and I don't think you have to worry about this team getting up after all of these delays. I mean, yeah, it's been frustrating, and they've had a lot of stop and starts, but now that they're finally able to get out on the field – I think that they're going to bring just just about everything. Doesn't matter if it's you know not a night game. Doesn't matter if it's a Wednesday at three forty. Hmm. I think that you know doesn't matter if, if fans are going to be in the stands. They are going to be very ready and very up for this game. All
1: right, Brooke Pryor, well done. Thank you. I got to ask him one question. There's one question with us here, Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking ahead to this afternoon's game. Again, we will hear if for any reason it is now not going to be played. There are testing um, ways that might happen, but I think the expectation is that it will be, and my hope is that it will be. And I want to make that straight talk today, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. You know, I I consider myself an open-minded person. I really do. And these are challenging times to be open-minded because we are so divided sometimes not just into two parts, not just into four, but sometimes it feels like we're splintered into hundreds of different parts in our country. Sports have always been the one thing that could bring us together more than anything else. Back to the oldest cliches about the millionaire and the cab driver sitting on adjacent bar stools watching a game on television, all the way through to the special that I did a couple of years ago called Comeback Season about the ways in which the world of sports helped our country recover from the tragic events of September 11th. Sports have always been that for us. And so I consider it a wonderful gift that we have gotten these games during this pandemic. None of it was promised to us. And the the sacrifice that is being made on the part of so many for these games to exist, I think is just remarkable. And so my straight talk today is aimed at the many people, and, and you know who they are, and if you are one of them, you know who you are who are saying, you know, they should stop playing. Why are they doing this? They need not to be playing. If the game isn't perfect, then don't play. If the circumstances aren't what they should be, then don't play. We've got this pandemic. It's inappropriate to play. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't mean this to be confrontational. I mean it to be interrogative. What do you mean by that? In what way are we better without it? What purpose would be served by stopping? I don't understand. Again, I consider myself an open-minded person. I'm more than willing to listen to a different position on this and to have my mind changed if it can be. But to me, it seems there was one test and one test only. Are the safety and health of all the people involved being taken into consideration? Is that the first priority? Are those things not being taken for granted? Assuming the answers to those are satisfactory, then I cannot for the life of me understand whose purposes are served by these games not being played. I will simply say, if you don't want to watch them, then don't. If they don't mean to you what they normally do, then that's okay. Don't pay attention if you choose not to. But I'm confounded by the chorus of voices I hear inside and outside of the media. Much of this is just, maybe sometimes I'm violating my own rule, which is to disregard Twitter nonsense. But maybe that's where I'm seeing some of it. And then I see others in perfectly legitimate media places saying, just cancel it. Just stop. And my response to that is, why? And what the actual heck are you talking about? Whose purposes are served by that? Who's made better by that? Again, I'm open to having my mind changed. I I think I have 180 degrees the different perspective. I'm in awe of what they've done. I'm blown away by what they've done. You realize that for all of the belly aching that has gone on about this game getting pushed to a Wednesday, that once they play it today, they will have played every game on the NFL schedule this year. Every one of them. Some got moved around a little, but every one of them got played. And we're three quarters of the way into the season. If anyone had told you that was going to be the case in May, what would you have said? How about in September? So, yes, we are in in the most challenging period of the of the pandemic that we will ever face, because the combination of the, the proximity of these vaccines, people can feel the end of it coming. And there's such fatigue with it that people so desperately just want it to be over that maybe that they will be more lax than they normally would be in trying to prevent it and spreading it. And the combination of that with the cold weather and all the other factors that, that seem to be causing, I'm, I'm not an expert, I'm not telling you anything you can't read anywhere yourself, these numbers spiking beyond anyone's imagination, that combination is going to make it unbelievably hard for them to get to the finish line. In pro football, in college football, college basketball, all these sports, they're just trying. And frankly, I think it's extraordinary what they've done. And so for the life of me, the people who were saying, just cancel it, just stop. What are you talking about? What, what purpose is served by that? Sometimes I think that's just something people say. People say things sometimes just because they feel aggravated and they want to say something that will make others aggravated. Well, you know what? We need a whole lot less of that. When we come out the other side of this pandemic, one of the things we need a hell of a lot less of in our discourse in sports and well beyond is a lot less of, I'm in a bad mood today, so I'm going to drag you down with me. So I'll just put my cards, this is what I'm saying. My name is Greeny, and I am thrilled to death that there's a game this afternoon at 3.40. And I have enormous respect for the players who are making all the sacrifices they are to play it for us. It's their lives, not ours. And they're fighting through the pandemic and the testing and the not not being with family and who knows what else. So I'm going on the record. That's how I feel. You're entitled to feel however you want, but I'd love you if you would want to explain to me a rationale for why they should just stop. I'd love to hear it. And again, I'm an open-minded person. Maybe you convince me that I'm wrong. That's my straight talk. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Uh, and, and, And by evidence of the fact that I will tell you, I will admit when I'm wrong, is that I think one of the strongest positions I have taken through this entire football season... Has to be rethought. Dominique Foxworth said something to me on television this morning that kind of stopped me in my tracks. I'll actually tell you that it was in his notes last night. So, the way we do get up is our producers will talk to all of our extraordinary uh, group of analysts the night before, the day before the show, and they'll put together a whole bunch of notes, questions. They'll ask them all these different thoughts, and they'll come to me and they'll say, Greene, what do we want to do in the morning? And I will help select what we do. And so, one of the things Dominique Foxworth said in his notes and then on TV was that Greeny may be wrong. As I sit here and rail about Bruce Arians, the offense the Buccaneers are running strike me, and if you've been listening to me, you know I've been saying this repeatedly, as just completely wrong for their quarterback, completely wrong for their quarterback. And I have blamed the coach nonstop, because it seems to me Tom Brady should know what he can do best. It has to be the hard-headed, egotistical coach forcing this offense on him. And then Dominique Foxworth said this to me this morning, and I have to admit it makes sense. What about what's
3: happened in Tampa Bay suggesting you that Bruce Arians is making these decisions? Was it when they went and signed Gronkowski or or, or was it when when they went and signed A.B.? Like, it seems like... Tom Brady had a point, a point to prove. He came into this season hearing everyone say that Belichick is the reason why he's been successful, that his arm strength is waning, he's getting old. He wants to throw these deep passes just as much as Bruce Arians. And if Tom Brady wanted to do something different, you know what they would be doing? Something different. Tom Brady is running this offense. It seems like Tom Brady is running this team.
1: I have a very hard time countering that because it sounds right. There is no question that Rob Gronkowski and Leonard Fournette, no question in my mind that Tom Brady wanted them and that's why they're on the team. When you get to Antonio Brown, I'll add, there's no question in my mind Tom Brady wanted him and Bruce Arians didn't. Arians was on record saying that in March and I'm as convinced as I can be that he didn't want him now. So what Nick says does make a lot of sense and I have to admit It is possible that I have this wrong. I believe that they are running an offense that Bruce Arians wants to run, and I base that on the offense as he has always run. But what I cannot sit here and tell you now with certainty is that Brady is against it and it's being forced on him because what Neek says makes more sense than that, which is what is it about what we've seen so far suggests that Tom Brady isn't the one running the show and Bruce Arians is. Maybe the only thing Arians is really empowered to do now is take subtle and sometimes not so subtle passive-aggressive shots at Brady in the press when it goes bad. So I don't know what the heck is going on there. But as I said, I'm an open-minded person. You have to be willing to acknowledge when you might have something wrong. And in this case, I might have this wrong. Maybe this is Brady who wants to do it. Now, what I have right is that this offense does not suit him. And until they do something about it, they will not Get anything right this season. I believe that they will look different after this week. They have a bye this week. They're they're, they're first and only bye, obviously, but it comes this late into the season. So this is when you do the self-scouting. This is when you figure out this is what's working and this is not. Get off the treadmill for a minute and take a breath and then come back and play four winnable games. They have no more games left against teams that currently have a winning record. They have a chance to finish strong, but they've got to get this thing right. All right, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Next thing that I found that I thought was very interesting... Uh, and, and I don't have the piece in front of me, but it's the top 25 NFL players under the age of 25. Who, whose rankings were these? Again, Bubba, you can jump on here and tell. I forget who it was, but I have the piece. I have the numbers. Mike Clay. Mike Clay. Mike Clay put together a list of the top 25 players in the NFL under the age of 25. We, we just did this uh, list on Get Up recently. We did the top five. And the reason you choose 25 as the cutoff is because Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are 25. And they would so obviously be one and two that it would take a lot of fun out of the conversation as the two players you would immediately start a team with if you were including 25-year-olds. So when you get below the age of 25, here's the list that Mike Clay put together. At number six, Josh Allen. At number five, Lamar Jackson. At number four, DK Metcalf. At number three, Quentin Nelson. At number two, Miles Garrett. And number one, Kyler Murray. So I immediately asked when this was sent to me, where do they have Justin Herbert on this list? And I was told he put together, Mike did, a special list or a separate list of rookies to watch. That's fair. If you're not going to put rookies on your list, I'm not going to criticize. It's a very small sample size. But I will say this, out of all the names on this list, I would right now, if they were doing the draft right now, and let's take the non-quarterbacks out of it, and you put Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Justin Herbert in a draft. In what order would they go right now? You're just drafting them based on exactly where they are. We've seen the body of evidence, uh, the body of work that we've seen. Murray with his Heisman and his really good season and a half, or, or, or then and then some. Lamar Jackson with his unanimous MVP award of a year ago. Josh Allen with his dual threat skills. And his sort of revitalization of the hashtag Bill's Mafia? Or Justin Herbert, who we have seen look just spectacular? It's an interesting question to me. Again, I can't criticize the list, because if you're putting rookies separately, then fine. That's a reasonable way to look at it. But I think another reasonable way to look at it would be, I would think long and hard about starting a team with Justin Herbert out of everyone on that group. Everyone on that group. When you consider the circumstances he's played. Say it again, Tua, what? I'm sorry? Not, Tua, not even in the rookies to watch. Yeah, I hadn't read that far down. Either. We'll talk more about Tua as we go. I've got some thoughts on Tua as well and why I think there should be significant concern in Miami. I'm inviting you to be a part of Greenie Nation. We'll open up the Dr. Pepper call in line a little bit later. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice cold 20 ounce Dr. Pepper today. Speaking of college football, coming up next, I will tell you exactly what the Big Ten Conference needs to do right now.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com, or just stop by.
4: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
1: granny with you, coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase on a very, very busy day. Again, Wednesday afternoon football today, Steelers and Ravens. We're looking forward to that and more, but... Here's something I found really interesting. Did you see what happened yesterday? The most 2020 thing that could happen in sports happened yesterday. And it happened in the Athletic Coast Conference, the ACC. They just decided yesterday to change some stuff around because it made sense. They looked at the situation and they said, we've only got three teams left that could play for our championship. We might as well just cancel some games, move some others around, change around our schedule, just rearrange basically everything that remains because it makes sense. And that's something you could never otherwise do. But this year, it sounded like a really good idea. And with me, all roads always lead back to the Big Ten because that's my conference And the Big Ten is also the conference where they're trying to figure out a way to get Ohio State into this playoff in a way that doesn't seem completely unreasonable and unjustified. So for that, I turn to my friend, Mr. Feinbaum. Paul is with me here. He was with me this morning. And we we just scratched the surface of this discussion this morning on Get Up, Paul. And so I really wanted to do it with you again. And so thank you for taking a few minutes. You said the pressure is now on the commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, to figure out a way to get Ohio State to the finish line. What is a way? G- give me some suggestions. What could they do? Well, he ha- he
3: has to open the door in by by him with the with the help of the athletic directors and the presidents to find a way to get Ohio State eligible for the playoffs with, with in the event they miss another game uh, the, the rule in the Big 10 is six games. It doesn't seem like a lot. I frankly think Ohio State looks like one of the best teams in the country, and I think you know a lot of people don't, but that's okay. But what he he can't just be Sherman esque and say, okay, if you don't if you don't get one of the game this weekend or against Michigan, the following week you're ineligible because winning a championship matters to these thirteen people greenies that go to Grapevine, Texas every week and jawbone uh, for two or three days about things that we can settle on get up and about. Two and a half minutes, <laughs> and it, they call it a data point when you win the conference championship. And and this year it may really matter because let let's say Ohio State is sitting there at five and zero, oh, or maybe even they don't get to the championship game and get to play uh, another game on that December nineteenth grab bag weekend, and and then you know they they're just another team then up against uh, at least two conference champions, meaning the SEC and, and the ACC. So it, it may not be the critical moment, but it gives them a little help. And, and I don't know how anyone can say, well, we, we already made the rules. Remember, as you know, the Big Ten shut down on August 11th. They came back. They tried to get in a, a reasonable facsimile of a season that has been wrought by disaster because they put in the strictest COVID uh, policies and protocols of anyone in the country.
1: So here's what I won't do. Paul's with me. I won't criticize them for putting in the strictest protocols. If, if that's what they felt they needed to do to keep everybody safe. OK, good. I'm good with that. Now, starting the season when they did, obviously, did not turn out well. They could have started it when everyone else did, and you would have been able to build in all of this extra time that the SEC and the ACC have had, so that when they've missed games, they will all still have representative seasons. But all those are things that are behind us. We can only deal with what is in front of us. So I just want to make sure, Paul, that you and I are on the same page here. What we're saying is, just change the rule. You put in your own rule that a team has to play six games to qualify to play for the Big Ten Championship. If they can't, from their side of the bracket, it's going to, I think, wind up being Indiana, whose quarterback is out for the season. I mean, whose purpose is being served by this? So just change the rule. You said it on TV with me the other day. This isn't a decision the Supreme Court ruled on 200 years ago. This is something they just made up on their own like a month ago.
3: And Greeny as a student of constitutional law, everything is built on precedent. And this is a stretch, but I'm going to use as precedent for the Big Ten, What happened yesterday and what you started with? The ACC has done it. They're all part of the same uh, college football playoff organization. So I'm going to say that they have to look at that and go, okay, it's been done. There is some precedent here. And and just blow it up and quit acting like uh, it's complicated because it's not complicated. And every time I say this, people cringe. But it's true. The Big Ten came back for... A couple of reasons. Uh, obviously, to collect the television money, which is critically important, but they also came back because they had a legitimate contender for the CFP, Ohio State. Uh, the Big Ten doesn't win the, uh, the the championship very often. The last time it happened was Ohio State. They're not in it very often, and usually when they are in the CFP, they get destroyed. So it, that was a, a, big, a big impetus. And remember, Ryan Day was among the leaders of trying to get this thing back on on, on, on track, so I'm just saying make it easier on them, and if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. I mean, they may not get, get in anyway. I mean, we may end up with the weirdest of all possibilities here, two ACC teams and two SEC teams, which does not play well in some regard because I mean, the whole idea behind the college football playoff was to be inclusive, to get people from around the country playing so people from around the country would be watching.
1: Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save Progressive save over $750 on average. The two teams you're talking about from the ACC, of course, would be Notre Dame and Clemson. The two from the SEC you're talking about could be Alabama and Florida, or could it be Alabama and Texas A&M? Which way do you see that, Paul? And right now, if you were splitting a tie between Ohio State and Texas A&M, which way would you lean?
3: At the moment, I'd probably still lean toward... Ohio State, and I say that even though I know A and M has a has a very competitive schedule, uh, they beat Florida, which is the number six team in the country. Uh, they did lose by twenty eight points to Alabama, and and that's uh, you know maybe not the most embarrassing thing on, in, in your in your history of your school because everyone's losing by twenty eight points to Alabama this year, but it still makes your your argument a little more difficult. Uh, I need to see more though. A uh, and M has a huge game this weekend at Auburn. Uh, a team that they lost to last year at home. They will likely go on the road at the, uh, at the end of the year and play Tennessee. It's not over yet, and, and that's why it is so critical for Ohio State to, to get another game or two in just to have something to show that committee.
1: To be clear, for those of you who aren't following this closely, Ohio State has played four games. They played four football games. If they can't play this weekend against Michigan State, they will at best play five regular season games and then one more that isn't for the Big Ten championship. It is going to be very tough, I think, for the committee to justify putting them in at the end if that's the way it winds up. Paul, you are the best. And you're right. You and me, the two of us, we could figure out all of these problems in three and a half minutes if they would just let us. (laughs) Well, they should. They should. I should. Thank you, Paul. You're the best. Paul Thank you, Grady. The pleasure. I love him. He's the best. Paul Feinbaum. I, I, there's no one. He just comes in. He drops a bomb and he just leaves. He's he, he doesn't he doesn't have any need for a preamble. He's just he's just as good as it gets. And in this case, he's right. So my advice, again, my unsolicited advice, if you will, to the folks who run the Big Ten is just do it. Just change it. You made a rule. I don't change anything that involves safety. You put in the 21-day protocol. You obviously had important reasons why you felt that was necessary. I support that. I will fight with that, with anyone. And if that's what winds up being the difference between getting a team into the playoff or not, then so be it. It's not worth jeopardizing the health of any of these kids. If you feel that is putting them in jeopardy, then I totally support that. I stand beside you. But the whole idea that we chose a random number of games you have to play in order to qualify for the Big Ten Championship, that's just not written in stone. It's just not on a tablet Anywhere, So you could change it. And by a tablet, I don't mean an iPad. All right, coming up next, one coach who is saying things that he obviously knows aren't true.
0: Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play.
1: You got a guy in Carson Wentz, even when he's got time, he's off target. You would like to
3: figure out what you have for the in the future as far as Jalen Hurts is concerned. You're kind of in purgatory as far as your seasons is concerned. That is the worst position to be in, but they put themselves in this position.
1: Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, reminding you that if you miss any of this program, you can find both hours of the show as a podcast every single day. Hashtag Greenie is the name of it. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. And I will also mention that we all accidentally damage our phones sometimes. Right, that happens. Now, Straight Talk Wireless's new Platinum Unlimited plan includes phone protection to 65 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, data, and more. See mobile protect terms and conditions at Asurion.com slash Straight Talk. Limitations and exclusions apply. All right, good news. Uh, Shefty just tweeted two minutes ago, Steelers, Ravens, officially a go. And I also follow Brian McCarthy, who is the NFL's uh, PR guy. His, 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 um, his Twitter handle is actually NFL PR guy. <laughs> I was looking up his actual title. But I know Brian and, and Brian from the league office also tweeted, it's a go. We're on. So, I, again, I say I hope you think this is wonderful news. I know I think it is. 340 in the afternoon on a Wednesday, we get Steelers-Ravens. And I'm going to be much more excited to watch the players who are there than worry about the ones who aren't. Is it a shame that Mar Jackson isn't playing? Of course. And actually, there's another player who's gone on the list here. Marquise Pouncey, the Steelers' center, has gone on the COVID list in advance of this game, according to Shefty. So neither team is at full strength, and the Ravens are decimated. But it's an NFL game in the afternoon, and they're doing the best they can. And so I, myself, am looking forward to watching. And I can also give you some numbers as far as the spread is concerned. Uh, ben Fox tweeted that over 69% of the bets and 79% of the money are on the Steelers' And the consensus on the line is now Pittsburgh minus 10 and a half, which is a big number. But it just gives you an indication of what they think there. That doesn't feel like enough. I mean, when you consider where would this thing started, it opened at Pittsburgh minus three and a half. And again, what I just read is 10 and a half on my screen here. It says nine and a half at, at Caesars Sportsbook by William Hill. The, the, I just don't know how you put enough numbers on this game. I mean, the Steelers are, are so much healthier than the Ravens, who are playing, it seems like, without half their team. We'll see. It's a rivalry game. Maybe Baltimore rises up and plays great. I hope they do. We'll talk about it. Anyway, a coach talking about his quarterback. Yesterday, Doug Peterson, a day after another disastrous Eagles loss on Monday Night Football, was talking about his quarterback, Carson Wentz, who is unquestionably struggling and has struggles around him. And Peterson was sort of leaning into the second part of that. The struggles we had last night weren't from the quarterback position. It was, it was a bunch of mistakes from all positions that caused us to not, not be as successful. Now, he's exactly right. Let's make clear. That's exactly right. And the reason that we judge Carson Wentz as we do is very simple. It's the contract. Because Carson Wentz is being held to a standard with players he doesn't resemble. Okay. The example or the, the, the illustration that was given of a player who, when everything else was going against him, we sit there and say, why can't Carson Wentz lift everybody up? Why can't he just raise, elevate everyone else's level around him? Well, what is it that makes us think he should be able to do that? I think it's the contract. I think it's you say, well, they paid him like he's a superstar. They paid him like he's Russell Wilson. Why can't he do what Russell Wilson did? Russell Wilson, during that period of time between the Legion of Boom and now, single-handedly carried the Seahawks to respectability and above. He had receivers nobody knew, and Wilson, by himself, was worth three or four wins. Just was brilliant. And so I think we expect Carson Wentz to be that. We say, why can't you do that? So Russell Wilson did. You're supposed to put all these people's kids through private school because you're so good. Peyton Manning did that. Tom Brady did that. Russell Wilson does that. Deshaun Watson's doing that. Why can't you do that? And Mel Kuyper actually gave us the best answer to that this morning on TV when Mel said, not everybody is that. We sit here and we debate who are the elite quarterbacks. Maybe that is the line of demarcation. You give everybody a perfect situation and almost all the quarterbacks in the NFL could succeed. Look at Baker Mayfield. Put Baker Mayfield where where Carson Wentz is right now. You tell me if it looks any better in Philly. I don't think so. You put Carson Wentz where Baker Mayfield is right now in Cleveland with an outstanding running game and dynamic receivers and a great offensive line. I think Carson Wentz would be just fine. He was just fine on a team good enough to win the Super Bowl three years ago before he got hurt. So Carson Wentz is one of that huge group of quarterbacks who you can win with. If everything is good, you can win with them. The trouble is when you start paying those guys like they're that little tiny subset of quarterbacks who are genuinely elite, who genuinely elevate others around them, who by their mere presence make you a formidable team. How many of those guys are there? Let's put Brady in the group of those there are, because clearly at his best, he was. So right now, Brady is that. I think Mahomes is that. He's never had to prove it, but I have zero doubt that he could. I think Deshaun Watson is that. I think Russell Wilson is that. Clearly, Aaron Rodgers is that. Are there others that we're forgetting? Are there others who simply by their presence make a team Good. That's it. You got that guy, you're good. Now, what if you put around to maybe you got a championship team? But I'm not talking about just making a team 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm talking about playoff contender, a threat to do damage. Aaron Rodgers is doing this with mirrors. Russell Wilson has done the same. Aaron Rodgers has that team, has people talking Super Bowl with that team when their defense is unimaginably bad. Unimaginably. And he's turned Alan Lazard into a receiver the whole league is talking about. And Robert Tanyan, that's not to knock them But that's not exactly Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey we're talking about over there. So that's the question. And maybe to bring it back to the beginning of the conversation. The problem Wentz has, I think, is the expectations. Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, two guys that I think you put in the same category, put everything around them, make it all work. They're great. They're more than good enough to win with. But they're both getting paid huge money, which means other people aren't getting paid that money which means the circumstances around them aren't usually going to be as good, which means they probably aren't capable of elevating the team where it wants to go. It's an interesting discussion, and it will continue as we go. Ryan Clark will join me as we roll on. They're playing the game this afternoon. Greeny on ESPN Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast.